Hey, everybody, the show is starting. This is the new theme song. Boop. Hi, Dame. I like the boop. Boop. Um, I'm, I don't know why I don't play the, the show music and the animation to start the show anymore. I, I mean, it, it takes five seconds to do, but it just seems like the biggest inconvenience of my life. So I just sing a song. I think it has more to do with the fact that you couldn't do it consistently or do it right consistently. Do you remember the the ukulele Pete the Planner show theme? <laughs> yes, I do. Um, all right, let's see if I can find it because I loved it. Um, okay, I got to see if we can find this because it's really good. Oh, hi, Danza. Yeah, it's suit and tie edition here today on oh. the Pete the Planner show, everybody. For 50% of us. For Yeah, for, for, for me. Okay, oh, I can't wait to find it. That was a Fiverr um, project, wasn't it? Yeah, it's a five five bucks. Oh, here it is. All right, we're gonna play it. I liked this, and literally no one else in our organization uh, cared for this, or any listener. My wife hated it. <laughs> My daughter thought it was stupid. Like it, it, it really ended up not being good. But here we go. Oh, I'm so excited. Okay, you ready? Uh, hopefully, you can hear this. When you've only so much income and so many bills And your problems are so bad they are vanquishing your thrills Listen up close, there's a place that you can go It's a comfort and the laughs of the Pete the Planner Show Just the idea that I had, I paid $5 to a Korean woman to write me a song on a ukulele for our syndicated radio show, just I like that. You got your money's worth. I don't know, I liked it. I mean, that's really good, right? Yeah, I gave her a tip though. It was five bucks, but I, I like I don't know the conversion rate. I, I ended up paying her eighteen dollars and nineteen cents for that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Dame, here's what's on the show this week: investment retirement episode. Sometimes we do that. Sometimes we don't. We're gonna with uh, about fifty days left in uh, the year. We're gonna see how close our predictions are from the market to to being right. One of us is very right on an individual pick, and the other one's very right as it relates to the market as a whole. Let's see if those predictions hold. We're going to talk about that. Uh, we also are going to uh, dig deep into the 4% rule again, because there's another article that said the number stinks again. But from my memory, it keeps going down again. So we'll talk about that. And then uh, in 2022, like in every new year, the IRS changes guidelines on... Uh, contribution limits. So I'm going to talk about that. I'm always curious as to how they come up with the numbers of what the limits are. And so we're going to talk about that as well. Dame, anything you want to get off your chest? You have a good week? Everything going well in your life? Uh, everything's going great. Kids, uh, the Aquaduns had a great weekend of swim Ooh. last weekend, uh, which of course I always say a great weekend for me of swimming is not drowning, but they choose to win events. So they, they did a great job last weekend. Dame, I have a problem I want to share with you right now. I, uh, I find I'm not really on social media much anymore, but I do spend a lot of time on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And I find myself getting caught in all sorts of cosmic rabbit holes of content. And I need to share with you right now the top videos that I'm watching that has my wife incredibly concerned. Okay, I'll share one of mine as well when you're finished. I, I will note this. Uh, I, my wife walked by the other day and I was watching a video and she was very upset by what I was watching. And she acted as though I was watching some sort of adult content when in fact I was just watching a man in his garage recobble a pair of shoes. She said that that is weird and she's concerned about me as a person as to what I'm dealing with these days. I'm obsessed with polishing and recobbling of shoes right now. I don't know why. I don't know if like a, a, a restoration, a, 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 you know, a renaissance of sort, but that's one of the channels I'm addicted to right now are refinishing shoes. You hit me with one of yours. Yeah, I, I agree. I'll, every, every once in a while, I'll start watching uh, re, uh, cobbling of shoes. And I think it's because there's a process, a start, yes. uh, a beginning and an end, and you can see the work and the fruit of your labor. And the transformations are amazing. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're great. Um, and by the way, I think you save your adult content for uh, plane flights, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Oh. oh. Um, <laughs> I have, I don't know how this got put into my feed, but I have found myself watching uh, a couple of guys 
trim hooves on cows. I've and, seen that and it grosses me out. I can't watch it. Yeah. And they, they patch them up and they make them healthy and they put little blocks on them and it's amazing. I, they're little 10 minute videos and I feel, I, I, I knew nothing about it to start. And like two minutes into a video now, I can say like, oh, that's going to need a block and we'll just move on. I'm almost an expert. <laughs> All right, let's go tit for tat on weird videos that we watch on YouTube. Next for me, uh, and this is sort of a classic, I watch uh, high-end cleaning companies clean very soiled rugs. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, I... Again, it's a process thing. You start it off is. with something that is absolutely destroyed, and yeah. you put a little bit of time and effort and a little bit of know-how and uh, uh, you know specialty Gumption. knowledge. Gumption. A lot of steam, a lot of chemicals sometimes. Yeah. And uh, and they come out and just bright and vibrant, and you feel good about yourself. I do watch a lot of cocktail-making videos. There's this guy named Anders Erickson. He's a bartender in Chicago, and he's got this quirky little channel, Anders Erickson that I enjoy. Um, all right, let's move on with the show. I told you before the show started, Dame, I have no time for this. Yes. And you said, that's probably really endearing to our audience. Every week you tell them that you have no time for them. And I said, I think they like it. So play a little hard to get. Um, I need to go pay my mortgage in person. So I got to go. You know what I mean? Everything is okay now. They all understand. All right. In three, two, one. This week on the Pete the Planner Show, we answer your money questions. Here's how the show works. You email us, askpete at petetheplanner.com. That's askpete at petetheplanner.com. And uh, occasionally, we'll answer those questions. When I say we, I mean me and Mr. Dunn, Damien Dunn, Vice President of Advice at Your Money Line and Hey Money. Hello, Dame. Hello, Pete. Every once in a while, when I describe you in a business setting, I, I make note that we are not related, despite the fact that we share a, a look, uh, we share a surname, and uh, people are either amused by it or don't believe me. This week, I share that information, and per, a person chuckled. They said, that's great, and I was amused by that. Well, I appreciate that people enjoy the fact that we could be related, maybe even should be related, but we certainly are not. Dame, this week on the show, uh, it's a retirement investment episode for no other reason because this is what's interested me this week. There was an article we're going to talk about today about how the 4% rule is no longer a good rule. Uh, we'll give you some context around that here shortly. We're going to do a 50-day left in the year market prediction review. 50 days left in the year market prediction review. And then we are going to talk about the IRS contribution limits and various retirement and health savings vehicles that they've set for 2022. And if you're thinking to yourself, Dame, wow, that's incredibly interesting. It's not, but we will make it that way because that's how the show works. Dame, I'm going to get co-host pick. You tell me of those three segments I just gave you, I want you to just be a choose your own adventure with Pete. Which segment would you like to start with? 4%, please. 4% rule. Dame, one of the weird things about saving money into a retirement plan for 45 years is that you find yourself uh, perpetually in this, what we call the accumulation phase. You're just putting money away. You're putting money away and you don't really think about the distribution phase of like, how do you get the money out? And you know, if you're doing that consistently, it's hard to say focus. It's hard to figure out why exactly you're doing it. So years ago, uh, someone came up with this idea that you should calculate how much income your nest egg will generate by multiplying your nest egg by 4%. And if you do that, that will tell you how much income on an annual basis you can safely withdraw from your nest egg without the fear of running out of money. Do you feel like I described that in a reasonable way? Yeah, I, the, the thought being uh, that the gains uh, on average in your portfolio are going to greatly um, increase higher than uh, the 4%. And so 4% should be safe, give you a nice little cushion with some inflation, and you'll be able to keep that nest egg safe and secure, and you'll have plenty of money until you move on to post-retirement. Every few years, uh, people like to dig in to see how valid is the 4% rule. And it was always meant as a broad stroke rule of thumb. It was never meant to set all of your financial planning around it. But that being said, 
lots of people have set their financial planning around that. Uh, a few years ago, I saw it reduced down to 3.8%. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this past week, Morningstar published a paper suggesting the new accurate withdrawal rate really should be 3.3%. So Dane, we're going to do something that I love to do here on the show. Uh, we do it all the time. And that is math on the radio. Yay. I've had a lot of caffeine today. Can you tell? Uh, yeah, you're, you're, you're doing well. Okay. So let's, how big of a, how big of a nest egg would you like? Uh, Cause we're just making things up here. Let's go with, do you want round numbers or do you want some weird number? Well, I don't care. I, I, I always like to use 500,000 because I don't find it to be, I find it to be approachable for a lot of people, much more so than a million. I was going to say a million, but okay, let's go with 500,000. Well, uh, not everyone's a big baller like you, Dame. Uh, okay. $500,000. I don't need the calculator for this part, but (laughs) if you had a $500,000 nest egg at retirement and you followed the rule of thumb, what you're suggesting, or or the rule of four, which is a rule of thumb, you would suggest that you receive $20,000 a year of income off of your nest egg. And and you can perpetually do that without the fear of running out of, uh, of money. Right, Dave? Correct. Now, this takes into account historical returns uh, and that sort of projects them forward. And it says, even if you have a major market event, a bear market, a crash, whatever, uh, you should still be okay with that rule of of 4%. That was the old way of thinking. Now, now the number is much different. Instead of $20,000, we're talking about $16,500 is what is suggested to take off of a $500,000 nest egg. And I want to start here with this, Dan. When you tell someone that has a half a million dollars and when they say it like, hey, I got a half a million bucks with that positive tone, and then you tell them that will uh, reasonably send them $1,375 a month, that's shocking. Yeah, there's going to be some uh, disbelief possibly, maybe a big kick to the ego uh, as well, thinking that you had done a, a pretty reasonable job preparing for retirement. And you find out that if you want to make sure that money sticks around, you're not going to be able to take very much of it. I, you know, in reality, I think most of us understand, hey, if you want that money to stick around, spend less of it and it'll last longer. But that's a pretty small number, especially if we're talking about money that's coming out of an IRA or 401k. Yeah, I mean, you could argue, and I don't know what the RMDs are when they get back in place here. Or are they back in place, RMDs? I know they took a break. Yeah. This is why you're paid to know these things. Um, it, it is, it's above three point three percent, isn't it? Um, I'd have to check what the initial RMD is for uh, age seventy two now, but I'm I'm not entirely sure. But it's it's probably in that ballpark. Back when I used to speak in front of live audiences a lot, I would commonly talk about withdrawal rate and or distribution rate, and call it either. And I would always ask the audience if you had a half million dollars and it was your nest egg and you you needed to generate a stream of income off of that, what do you think you can reasonably generate from a dollar standpoint? And Dame, do you know what the most common answer was off of a half million dollars? Are you talking monthly or annually? Annually. Um, $50,000. Close, $40,000, which um, that's 8%. That's 8%. That's a problem. Yeah. That is a huge problem. In a, after, on a 30-year retirement, uh, in a 60-40 portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% bonds, if you took an 8% re- withdrawal rate, you have an 8% chance of having any money left at all after 30 years. And that is bad retirement planning. Well, the problem is, is that you didn't put any of that money in Bitcoin, Pete. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I, I want to tell you a story that I haven't told you this week because I've been too busy to tell you a really frustrating <laughs> story. And I definitely cannot tell you this one on the air. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, sorry. Um, okay, so I think if more people calculated a proper withdrawal rate in conjunction with what their nest egg is at the midpoint of their career, and they said, hey, this is what I'm projected to have, how do I, how does this sit with me? I think you'd have people uh, get on their horse a little faster, so to speak, as it as it relates to contributing money to retirement. Yeah, if you look at that projection in the midpoint of your retirement or earlier, and then you start to take into account taxes, 
inflation, lower market returns, which is widely assumed to be uh, in our future, lower market returns. Um, that number gets really small, but the number you have to contribute gets significantly bigger. It, that's so true, right? And, and I, the other factor in this too is, you mentioned taxes, making decisions around Roth IRA and Roth 401ks versus traditional 401ks and traditional IRAs. Of course, coming up in, in a moment, we're going to talk more about that. But Dame, the new number, everybody, 3.3%, you know, the the rule of 3.3, as they call it. Larry Bird rule. Oh, lovely. All right, coming up after the break, we are going to talk about the IRS limits for 2022. Do you love them? Do you hate them? Who actually sets them? Because they're a little bit wacky. All that is next right here on the Pete the Planner Show. I'm Pete the Planner. Uh, this story, I have to tell you, I, I, I haven't told anyone the story. Oz was part of the story. Ooh. Um, I oh, by Brian Pinkins. Hello. I hope you're still uh, enjoying us here on Facebook live. Good to see you, my friend. Um, Dame, it's, it was a nightmare. I, I can't tell you too much. <laughs> I will say this. Oh boy. How do I say that? I want to tell you something. As someone who's, who's in front of people live in some capacity, virtual or in an audience in front of an audience, a lot, a lot Thousands of times, honestly. Mm-hmm. There's two times in my life I've almost lost it and burnt down the whole thing and said, I'm done. Like, I, like stomped off stage or pulled the plug out of my computer. Um, one of them happened this week. How did we... <sighs> I can't tell you anything about it publicly. So now... I'm upset you didn't tell me about this earlier. Because I, it was so upsetting. I, I, can't, I can't do it. It's fine. I, it, it's an amazing story. It's an amazing story that everyone on here would love more than candy. You're going to die when I tell you. Because here's what's going to happen. When we conclude the show, I got to put it in the system. So they distribute it to different radio stations. I got to get in my car to drive to my bank to pay my mortgage. And I have a meeting after that. I'm going to call you in the car when I'm in the car. Be a hands-free device, and I'm going to tell you the story, and you are going to cackle. Is this going to uh, pump you up for your afternoon, or is it going to... No, it might a... bring me down, so I kind of don't want to tell you. You know what? Uh, we're having reunion next week where all of our people from all over the country come in town. We spend some time together, uh, maybe have a, a soda pop or two. Maybe I'll tell you the story then. I can't believe I just story-blocked myself. Uh <laughs> Brian Pinkins, uh, my man, says the age 72 RMD will be 3.65 with the changes to life expectancy for 2022. There you go. Big pink. He knows. Uh, thanks, man. All right. Uh, by the way, uh, and, and this is strangely uh, specific. Uh, Brian, I'm going to take that Tuesday live on Tuesday at Coaches Downtown. Uh, mutual friend of ours. Dame, are you coming with? Or are you going to be yes. going home? Yeah, I, I need to. I'm taking the whole team to a hip-hop DJ set on Tuesday night. Be there. I was going to say be square, but I am square, so go figure. Be there and be square. Yes, yes. Okay. Um, are we ready to go? You tell me. Did my screen just shrink? Is it cold? I don't <laughs> Well done. Okay. Um, in three... Oh, what are we doing? Uh, IRS contributions. Three... Yes. Two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show, suit and tie, caffeine edition of the show. Dame, you know, every year the Internal Revenue Service gets together without their brains and puts together uh, the increases in contribution limits that people can put into retirement vehicles and health savings accounts and all sorts of other things. And what is shocking about this every year is how predictable they are when it comes to increasing the amount of money that people can put away in a tax-sensitive way. Now, before we get to this list, which is, again, always shockingly predictable, I have to note there has been a lot of criticism of late of retirement vehicles, tax sensitivity, and tax advantage um, as it specifically relates to the income gap and how it 
um, retirement plans unfairly reward those with money, which in turn leaves people without as much money behind. Uh, and so I want to acknowledge that. And I want to say that um, our topic today is to cover the numbers and it's to cover how it impa impacts people who, who consistently try to max out these vehicles. I completely understand that is insensitive to people who can't put money in the plan. And for that, I'm not dismissive of you. I just want to get the numbers. Is that fair, Dame? Yes, I think that's incredibly fair. Which, by the way, this plays into the story I have to tell you after the show. All right. So, Dame, in 2021, if you were to max out your 401k or a 403b or a 457B. And if we hear those numbers, it's section 401 subsection K of the tax code. Okay. So when you hear 529 plan or 403B, it's, it's part of the code of the IRS code. Okay. So $19,500 is what you can put in, in the year 2021. And I, I, I kind of want to look at the historical numbers. Maybe you can pull them up as we're talking here, Dame. But I remember not too long ago, it was $18,000. And I feel like that was 10 years ago. Uh, I don't know if it was that long ago, but um, I know 2020, it was 19.5 as well. Yeah. So here's the, here's the thing. There is a retirement crisis in our country. And there has been for decades. And it's going to get worse. One of the ways that people can prepare for the retirement crisis is to put the right amount of money away for retirement. By not moving the limits up, in some respects, it dissuades people from properly planning from a tax perspective for retirement. And Dame, you might say, well, uh, well, people will have the, the max and from a tax sensitivity standpoint, they can still max it out and then save other money. That's not what people do. They put in the max and then they stop saving. And that's my beef. I have those historical numbers. Do you want to play a little guessing game real quick? Oh, I love a good guessing game. How far back can you go? Uh, 2000. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Let's go back uh, to 2018, Pete, 2018. Oh, we're going to go backwards. Uh, you want to go go you start at 2000 and go forwards? Uh, let's go to start at 2000 go first because okay. I think this will be the hardest thing to do. 2000 employee contribution limit year 2000. 12,000 bucks. 10,005. Oh, dangerously close for a dummy. 2005? Okay. okay, that's the way to go. Good thinking here. 13,000. 14. Oh, man. I'm so bad at guessing everything. 2010. Okay. 16,000. 16,5. Oh! I, I, I count that as a win right there. I don't. 2015? Okay. What was the previous year? 2010? I mean, 20, it would be 2014 would be the previous year from 2015. Ah, yes. Yeah. Um, 18,000. Yes, exactly right. Oh, my God. <laughs> Big gas energy. Yep, and then uh, we'll just fast forward to today, $20,500. So over... 22 years, we have not even doubled it. See, that seems bad. Yeah. I mean, that, that seems real bad. And so uh, in 2022, the number, it actually went up a thousand bones. 20,500 is the uh, max you can put into your 401k if you're 49 years old or younger. The catch-up contribution meaning, and that's catch up, not catch up or cats up for that matter. Isn't that always weird? Yes. I don't even get it. Yeah. Like who does that? I don't know. I don't trust anyone that's like, oh yeah, it's homemade cats up. And it's like, get out of here. No. Anyway, if you're 50 years old or older, uh, you can put an additional $6,500 in your 401k or 403b or 407. Uh, and that limit did not change. So in 2021, it was 6,500 and it's 6,500 in 2022. You want to talk some really weird stuff about catch the history of catch up contributions? I do. 2002, first year it was implemented. The standard employee contribution limit was $11,000. 
Okay. The, the ketchup was $1,000. Th- that's so, I mean, that's so not good. I mean, that doesn't even make sense. So 10% of the contribution? Yeah. And so in, in successive years, it went from one, two, three, four, five, and it held at five for a few years, three years. Then it got bumped up all the way to $5,500 and held there for probably seven or eight years. And then 6000 up to 6500 uh, so now in comparison, percentage wise, the catch up is pretty meaningful. Yeah, I, I think what's fascinating and it actually, uh, supports my point that there's no thinking going on here. It's like, man, we got to make them go up, make them go up. If, if we're saying that people who are over the age of 50 could be behind the eight ball, they could be behind on their, their contributions and early on just what, 10 years ago or whatever it was, uh, only a thousand dollars. Oh, that's going to help them solve their problems. Is being able to put a thousand dollars more away in a tax sensitive way. I don't like to be so cynical towards bureaucracy and government decisions. I, I really try to say, look, I know it's a lot harder than you and me deciding what to do. I know there's a lot more complexity to it, but but this is one of those things that we happen to have some informed opinions on that it it. It doesn't track. If there is a financial crisis on the horizon from a retirement income standpoint, especially related to Social Security and its instability, why in the world would you not give people more of a means to support themselves in a responsible way with with good contribution limits? Tax dollars. I know. Can I tell you? Go ahead. So the other thing that, that really gets me and probably gets you as well, the fact that the IRA contribution is so low in comparison. Okay. What? So yeah, let's do that because that, that I am, I'm so with you. It is, it is, it is more problematic than what we've just talked about. Why don't we just have a flat amount that can be saved in a, uh, a qualified account of some sort, whether it's a 401k, 403b, IRA, I don't care. You, you put a cap on it. And if you happen to save all of it into a 401k, fantastic. If you want to put 20 or 30 or whatever that cap comes out to and do an IRA versus a 401k or 15 and 15. I don't care, but let's put a level cap on it across all platforms and call it a day. Here, here. I feel like you and I are running for office. Bully. I'd be quite the ticket. Done and done. Done and done. And then you do like the thing that dealers do when they show you they don't have any cards <laughs> up their sleeves. Done and done. Uh, $6,000 uh, is the uh, limit in 2022. Um, and $1,000 is the catch-up provision. So they don't change. They didn't go up a dime. Now, okay, remember my earliest comments in this segment was about how insensitive we're being to people who don't put money in any of these plans and have different issues. I'm going to revisit that for, well, I'm not going to revisit because we're going to break. Dame, coming up after the break, how close were our market predictions? We'll find out. I'm Pete the Planner. This is the show. All right. Um, isn't it amazing that you can talk about IRA contribution limits for nine minutes and 23 seconds? And yes. then run out of time. Yeah, we we felt pinched at the end. Do you remember the first time you were on the show and um, y- y- you realized that there was a there was time to fill? Right, it's the concept of filling a segment, and, and you try to get your head around it, and you're like, "What are we going to talk about for that long?" I remember my first show when it first started. I want to say it was two hours long. I know I've told you this before. <laughs> it was an hour. Then maybe it went to two hours. I don't remember. I, my show was two hours long at one point. I remember the first few episodes of this show. I would spend hours. This is in 2008 or 2009. Hours planning segments. And then now we've gotten to the point where before the show, Dan was like, hey, what do you think about this? And you were like, okay. And then we just talked for nine minutes and 23 seconds passionately about IRS contribution limits. Who wanted to listen to you for two hours? I, I don't, who wants to listen to us for 36 minutes? Were you spinning today's hits in there as well? <laughs> I've always wanted to, you know, talk up, hit the post, you know, those sorts of things. It's like, yeah. There's got to be a station in Indy that would let you sit in for an hour and just. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah, it's funny. Uh, I, have a, I have a theory about calling in favors like that. 
I could probably get it done, but you really gotta, I, I don't call in favors a lot. So mm. I want to make sure maybe I use that favor. I'd be asking that toward, sort of person for something else. That's fair. You know? Okay. It's prediction time, Dame. Oh, I'm so excited. So excited. Now, like I said, we, we should probably have pulled the tape to see, and by the tape, I mean the digital audio to learn what our predictions were. But I think I know what my prediction was. I think you're going to be close enough to whatever I said that I don't care. All right. You ready to go? Yeah. Three, two, one. Back on the Pete the Planner show. Dame. Last year in December uh, of 2020, in hindsight, we decided to make predictions about the stock market, things that uh, in, in a ridiculous way, of course, because we don't want anyone to act on those things. And we're, we're making the predictions for entertainment purposes only. We, we didn't want a single person to make investment decisions based on what we thought would happen with rather uninformed guesses. And so today, with just under 50 days left in the calendar year, we're going to take a look at how close our predictions are to coming true. Okay, let's start with the broad market, the S&P 500. It's not that broad, but we're going to start with a market index. My prediction in December of 2020 was 22 or 23%. And in fact, I say it that way because at the beginning of the segment, I think I said one thing and then I slipped and said something else at the end of the segment. So it was, I, I guessed both 22 and 23, which is not exactly fair, but that's what I guessed. We'll split that right in the middle and go with 22 and a half. Fair enough. Do you remember your guess? It was much milder, uh, like 12 or 13. I, I feel like you said 11. That's possible. Yeah, I feel like you said 11. You know what's funny? Uh, occasionally, I'll do live streaming events with financial advisors around the country for like their webinars and whatever. And so at around that time of year, after you and I had done that, I decided, decided just to sort of chat it up with these advisors in front of their clients and ask them for their predictions. And I had forgotten that when you're in that world, you generally don't want to make predictions like that. And so they get real skittish and they get real upset. And then I, and, but it wasn't occurring to me because I'm just trying to fill time. And so people were like 4%, 7%, because they're just trying to be so conservative. And you and I are idiots, right? Yeah. So we're just like, about 23, 22 and a half. All right. So as of right now, and we're recording this show. Uh, the day after Veterans Day. Um, thank you, everyone, for your service. At November 12th, 2021, the S&P 500, as of 10.32 a.m., is up 24.05%. Wow. There's that big guess energy again. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm hoping uh, it comes back just a smidge so we can play prices right rules on that. Yeah, what do you think? I mean, do you th do you think if I'm over, you automatically win? Is that the way we're going? Yeah, I think that's how you always play guessing games like this. I think you have to. I mean, so when you thought my guess was ridiculous at 22/23%, you could have gone uh, $1. You could have gone mean, negative 15%. Yeah. Sure. Made it real safe. Unfortunately, here's what's going to happen. And, and by the way, we're up 31.74% 12 months ago today, 365 Oof. days. Um, here's where I'm concerned about my guests hitting the skits. The debt ceiling debacle, which is on the horizon. Because here's what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. There's the threat of a government shutdown early December. Okay, we're running out of funds. And there's also the threat of the debt ceiling being reached and Congress trying to tie votes to bills and other things, which is just absurd. And so I think the market is going to get kicked in the, the shorts and then it's going to take 20 days or so for it to recover a little bit and rally to the year end as long as no other crazy garbage is going on. And that's a pretty big although. And so if that's the case, I have a shot, but that, that ceiling thing has got me really nervous. I think it's a very reasonable possibility that we limp to the end of this year, uh, stumble a couple times and then just coast into 2022. Okay. So we are going to make an updated guess that does not negate the first guess. Okay. So okay. right now we're up 24%. I said, we're going to end at 22 or 23. Uh, you said 11, we think. 
where do you want to cast your final 2021 S&P 500 return? Where do you want to put it? 19. Oh, you know what? I'll take the under. Oh. I'll take 16. Oh, you're talking about a big kick. I am. I am. When you talk about stumble, I think we are going to stumble. I still don't. Hey, everybody, 16% rate of return in a market index in a, in a recession uh, coming out of a recession. That's remarkable. It's great. That's, it's another reason why you can't freak out when the economy starts looking uh, shaky. It's the same reason that on March 23rd of 2020, when the S&P 500 had fallen 34% since February 19th, just a month earlier, you can't freak out. Why? Because it took 148 days from March 23rd for the market to go back up. And now, a year removed, the market may give us 20%, 16%. So I'm going with 16%. All right. That's fair enough. We'll uh, be interesting to see on that first show in January. Okay. So then we made some other guesses. Mm-hmm. You picked your equity of the year and you did not want a single person to invest in it. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you, did you invest in it? Mm-hmm. You did invest in it mm-hmm. uh, prior to giving it as the tip or would you wait until, oh, yeah, of course, because you were front running. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. No. Uh, so, and you disclosed this, I believe. I feel like you I disclosed so. last year that you owned shares of this yeah. and you would own it individually, not as part of a fund. You, own, you made an individual decision. Okay. So uh, quit bearing the lead here. Thor Industries. Tell us about it, Dane. Why why did you choose Thor Industries? Uh, They are one of the largest RV manufacturers in the country. Uh, They have a number of brands that are under their umbrella. Do a really good job. They're an Indiana company. And uh, I thought the uh, push towards uh, people spending their their vacation time away from traditional hotel resort uh, type environments might continue on and maybe gain a little traction. So uh, I thought, why not go with a, a great locally owned company and see if we can uh, make some money on that. So early on, you made incredible, incredible uh, progress. Uh, the stock started, uh, the, the begin, began the year in the low 90s, uh, 92.25, I think was its low for the year. Don't quote me on that. By March 17th, it had climbed to 152.20. Actually, the, yeah, 152.20. So, name on the year, your prediction for equity of the year, Thor Industries, 20, up 22.41%, actually trailing the S&P 500. Go figure. 22.41%. How do you feel about that guess right now? I'm okay with that. I mean, it's no Tesla, but I'm okay. <clears throat> do you feel better about it? Uh on its own or in relation to my pick? Yes. <laughs> okay, Mr. Genius. My pick for the year was sort of the antithesis of your pick. Your pick was people are going to want to go, but they're not going to want to fly. They're going to want to be in a giant bread truck with a couch in it, and they're going to have an RV. Sorry, I guess we just lost all our RV sponsorship money. Mm. Uh, I said... You know, Dame, people are going to want to fly the friendly skies. So Delta Airlines was my choice of the year. It began the year at uh, 38.45 was its low. 38.45 to the first trading session of the year. It is now up to 42.95. The math is not going to support me doing well. It is up 7.07% for the year. I got hammered on this one, and I, that's not a Thor joke. The year's not over. Okay, well, who, who has a better chance of ending the year strong, you or me? Oh, me, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's I'm, essentially over, but I'm just trying to be nice. It's not over. I can't remember what I said about Peloton, although I did say something about Peloton. Yeah. It has gotten absolutely destroyed. Yeah. I mean, wrecked. It is down for the year because that was, of course, one of the, it's like Zoom. It's like a hot, hot stock during uh, when people can't go and do anything. It it is down. I can't even find it. A lot. A lot. (laughs) 52-week range was up to $171 a share. It's trading at $49 a share. Ooh. Yeah, that, that spun really quickly, didn't it? Oh. 
Oh, I see what you did there. Coming up after the break, biggest waste of money of the week. General Electric splitting into three companies. Not so general anymore. More like specific electric. Am I right? We'll be back right after this. I, I've been thinking about that joke <laughs> since I saw the news. And I, I didn't know whether or not you were going to do that story in your current events. And so I had to slip it in any way I could. Nope, I did not have that one. So I saw that news. Like I, I'm like watching the news in the morning. My kids are having waffles or whatever, uh, and it's like General uh, General Electric announced, um, blah blah blah, and I and I was like, more like specific electric, right? <laughs> oh oh, Jim Abroom says, would Damien ever be open to being a guest on the Stacking Benjamin show? Yeah, you want to be on the Stacking Benjamin show? Uh, sure. Jim just asked. Is Jim in a position to make that happen? Yeah, Jim, are you in a position to make that happen? <laughs> or is he just saying, hey, I think Damien would be a decent fit for Stacking Benjamins? Uh, Joe, the host of Stacking Benjamins, is a wonderful man. Wonderful never man. Never you haven't? I haven't. He looks like us. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I I love Joe and it and what occasionally, and I, I, don't, I don't mean occasionally he's funnier than me. That's not where I'm going with it. Occasionally I listen to him and I think, God, he's a better version of me than me. Like he's just a much better. Uh, it is frustrating, but I'm happy for him. There's more than enough to go around. Oh yeah, for bald white guys that look exactly like Dame Joe and I. Good lord. Okay, you'd be good on his show. I don't know if he still does it. Money with friends. Um, they have various guests and whatnot on there. Is that, on there. is that the the piece where they read stories and just yeah. kind of talk about them? Yeah, it's your wheelhouse. Yeah. Okay. You ready for biggest waste of money of the week? Yeah. Bigger question is, am I ready for the biggest waste of money of the week? I okay. hope so. Okay. Are you going to have to look for something? Three, <laughs> two, one. This week's biggest waste of money of the week right here on the Pete the Planner show is the Baccarat times Pokemon times Fragment Pikachu Crystal Figure. By the way, Dame, uh, when when it says X, does it mean times or does it mean plus? Like, how do you say that? X? You know, it's a combination. Yeah, yeah, this a just collab? A collaborate, a collab, yeah. yeah. Bacharach pays homage or homage to the 25th anniversary of Pokemon with a limited Pikachu fragment figure designed by fragment founder Hiroshi Fujiwara. The statue stands almost 12 inches tall and features the beloved character made entirely from crystal. Its multifaceted design produces a brilliant effect and features an engraved electric logo. Only 25 pieces of the limited edition item were created, but collectors also have the option to nab a smaller crystallized Pikachu and a radiant gold mesh Pokeball. Dame, uh, what would you pay... For a 12-inch Pikachu made out of Baccarat crystal by the one and only Hiroshi Fujiwara. Um, Origato. Can I just buy the NFT of it and call it a day? Uh, no, I, I, you can't. It's $25,000 for this. $25,000 for a 12-inch <laughs> crystal Pikachu. Now, I have to note, I... My son still loves Pokemon cards. They they come like there's like a resurgence every once in a while. Like my nephews played with them, and then my son like has them, and he's like, well, "This is a wizard water," and I'm like, "Hey man, that's not part of my culture, but I'm happy for you." And he's like, "This one's worth three hundred dollars," and there's like seven bent corners on it. And I'm like, "Bro, that's not worth seven hundred dollars." Are your kids Thomas into the the Pokemon? No. I, th I think they might have had, uh, I think the most cards he's ever had is like three or four, and it was because somebody gave them to him, and yeah, that was it. So I thankfully dodged that bullet. And my daughter, who's in middle school, it's like some of the middle school boys are into Pokemon. Do you know that there are like tournaments that pay legit money for stuff like that? Yeah, you know, that's that, <laughs> two, three times a year. I, and I think you and I have discussed this recently. I'm always like, Who's the sucker here? Are we the sucker? Yeah. Or are, are, are people who get paid to play Pokemon the sucker? Like who's, and not that it's a contest, but if someone's getting paid to play Pokemon and I'm working 
200 hours a week wearing a cheap suit. Who's the sucker? It's me, right? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. So disheartening. Would you put these things on a shelf next to your little ceramic figurine? What do you do with this? Well, yeah, that is a good question. Where do you place this tchotchke? Yeah, okay. I don't want to... I don't want to tip my hand here, but if this were to be the gift that arrived under your Christmas tree from your employer this year, where would you place it in your home? And I want you to think about this and not come up with jokes. Where would you put something of this level of reverence? Uh, probably in the box that it came in after I took pictures and put it on eBay. <sighs> Yeah, you know, I'm trying to think where would I put it. It would probably go on a shelf behind my desk in my office at home, and then it would just sit there and collect dust right next to my Pike High School Hall of Fame plaque. Dame, what's in the news this week? I think it should have gone on the bookshelf behind you right now. Mm. Pete, would you like to go with uh, a little bit of holiday-type uh, story or something uh, a little bit more investy? Uh, let's do uh, start with investy and then get more festive. Okay. Uh, collectors know exactly what they want from art more, a lot more. Starting Tuesday, this past Tuesday, the world's chief auction houses, Sotheby's, Christie's, and a boutique house called Phillips will seek to sell at least $1.6 billion worth of art doing a during a two-week series of sales, setting an expectation they haven't met in the past three years. The houses estimate at least 15 pieces will sell for over $20 million, including examples by you guys i can't talk about or at least pronounce their names and van gogh of course yeah uh, recent discoveries such as uh, reggie burroughs hodges are also poised to fly to records how to tell last month in london mr hodges auction debuted for uh with for the greater good that's the piece sold for six hundred and six thousand dollars, nearly 15 times the estimate quote people don't care if they have to pay a million dollars for a piece that's priced to sell for sixty thousand dollars said alex rotter chairman of christie's uh 20 21 art departments they're making up their own rules did you see that piece in the journal this week about how millennials are shunning financial advisors because they're pretty confident they can manage their own half a million to a million dollars easily i did and i thought that was really funny to assume that uh big investment firms are chasing millennials with half a million dollars. <laughs> I didn't think of it that way. Um, yeah. So art's one of those things. I like art, but my wallet doesn't, right? I mean, I'll buy some art, a couple hundred bucks here and there. Uh, yeah. I, as an investment or as a vanity play, not my thing. That being said, I have friends that are in the art world, do great, love mm -hmm. it. That's their passion. But as a, as a person's like, where's my money go? I appreciate art, but my wallet doesn't. Have you seen those things where you can buy like fractional shares of big, important paintings and you know, you just, they, they have a plan on selling them down the road. And so you, uh, you're in for a limited amount of time and you either get a gain or you don't. It makes sense. I, I did see friend of the show, Justin Costelli. Uh, he recently has been purchasing NFTs. Like he's mm -hmm. big into NFTs and I, he, he put an art piece that, uh, what's Carl's last name? Oh, uh, um, Richards, Carl Richards, uh, sort of a, uh, he's a financial guy, financial planner does little illustrations that are, that are really cool. Uh, he bought fractional NFTs of that. So I, I know fractional investments of, of tangible and digitally tangible, uh, things are a thing. Yeah. Hmm. In her 39 years of booking Santa's for holiday events, Susan Mesco says she hasn't had a year like this one. Is this good or bad? Okay. Guessing game. Sure. Is it hard to find Santas or is it easy to find Santas? Is that what I'm looking to try to guess here? Sure. I think it's difficult to find a good Santa these days. Mrs. Mesco has worked late nights and early mornings since September, fielding calls on average on an average of eight minutes from clients desperate to secure a jolly bearded man in a red suit for their holiday event. Never before, not even in the Christmas party boom of the 80s, has she had to turn customers away. Pete. If you had to guess. Oh, I love to guess. Hourly wages for a good Santa. Okay. 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 Big cities. Not not uh, not uh, some little rural Indiana town. Big cities. 100 bucks an hour. They will range 
between 175 and 300 dollars an hour. What am I doing? I need to eat some pudding and grow a beard. I mean, how do you feel about letting kids sit on your lap for $300 an hour, Pete? Well, it's funny you ask, Dave. It's Santa. Dave, have you been a good dog this year? Mm, comparatively speaking, yes. I want to work on my Santa patter. If I were to uh, have children on my lap, I want to try out some lines that I would say to them. And so you just evaluate if you would pay me $300 an hour. Okay. Oh, hello, Tyler. How's all the gaming going? Uh, relevant, but uh, you know, maybe they don't get to play games. I don't know. Tyler, do you, uh, you make eye contact with people when you talk to them? You, you engage and stay off the social media? Of course. All right. Well, uh, we'll be sure to buy you uh, Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. Well, that sucks. All right, see that I would not be a good Santa. That's the thing. For three hundred bucks, though, I could come up with some. I could act interested in children. For I mean, you know, in a professional way, for three hundred bucks. I'm glad you made that little addition there, Dame. I hope you have a great week uh, in the coming week. Uh, I plan on it. I'm going to go leave the show and pay my mortgage in person, which is my favorite thing to do. Uh, so. To everyone else, hope you have a great week. We are back next week, and then we may take a break for Thanksgiving week. I am decided I'm supposed to take the week off, but that never happens. So anyway, it's with this I say I'm sending you good vibes because good vibes are all that's in the budget. I'm Pete the Planner, and this is the Pete the Planner Show. All right. I mean, I mean jokes about my relationship with children. I think that's – I think we've – People think love here. that. People love that. Yeah, they do. Um, all right, Dame. So here's what we're going to do. I have, I got to go. I'm going to call you in about 25 to 30 minutes. And I'm going to tell you, actually, no, I'm not. I'm going to, it will ruin my day. I'm going to tell you next week because it'll ruin my day. Okay, I'll get fair. so upset. That's you fair. might just call Oz and ask her because. No, no, no. I want to hear it from you. Oh my God. I need her there too. Cause she'll be like my hype man. She'll be like, it happened. It happened. Was she there? Uh, I, I can't tell you anymore. Okay. She was she was there. She was there. She was she witnessed the whole thing. Uh, I should actually send you my Slack messages to her as it was happening. <laughs> They're explicit. <laughs> uh, actually, I want to look at them real quick. All right, I know where I'm. I'm, I'm look. Hey, everybody! Oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> um. um Here's one. Here's the Slack message to her. Six minutes in, I want to die. <laughs> uh, Thirty seconds later, I, I can't. Um, uh, I, th- I wait, think six, I know. Sixteen who the- minutes later, we're never doing this again. Uh, Eleven minutes later, please come into my office and stab me. <laughs> um. Yeah, that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, I have to wait days to hear this story now. I walked out of my office and went out to her desk, and and she had like averted her eye. Like she did nothing wrong. I mean, I don't get mad at people, but it was, oh boy. Okay, that's it. Uh, Anything you want to say to all, all of the listeners, Dame? No. Okay, well, then I'll say that all that's all needs to be said. Stay getting money. <laughs>